My name is Mike Roper. I'm 74 years of age. Mike, what do you do for work now? I'm a teacher. My early childhood, especially the first five years, was, uh, was very good. I, have, uh, I had a cousin, Agnes, who, thank God she had cameras, both motion picture cameras and still cameras, because without her, there'd be no documentation that I ever existed. My family did not take photographs and pictures. And there are, there are videos of me, uh, well, they were, you know, eight millimeter that were made into videos of me as a spontaneous little boy up to about the age five. And then I was molested by a female babysitter multiple times uh, when I was in kindergarten, first grade. So after that, my youth was very painful. I didn't do well in school. I couldn't read. I, I still can't spell. I remember the teacher, the kindergarten, the first grade teacher, Miss McGuire, sending home a note. And I remember giving it to my mother and father. Uh, and I remember the words, Michael is daydreaming. Well, it's, I started to wet the bed. So there were all kinds of signs today that parents are a little more sophisticated with this stuff, because talk shows and all this stuff about child rearing that they, my parents weren't exposed to. Uh, I'm sure they wondered what had happened to their spontaneous little boy. But I died. And through years of therapy, I had to, uh, I had to re, uh, <clears throat> redo myself. Mm -hmm. And That's to get in contact with that pain and, uh, and work through it and find that child. You know, back in the 1780s, all kinds of books about the inner child. I knew exactly what they were. I could have written the damn things. I knew exactly what they were talking about. It's to find, find the original me that was still within me and, and, and to nurture and to nurture mm -hmm. him and to take care of him. I have due feelings about my mother. I've probably worked through therapy, worked through all the anger I had. She didn't take care of me, the babysitter did. I had a sister, she couldn't take care of my older brother. I was the youngest. They, this other person took over. Uh, so I had a lot of anger towards my mother and my father. Uh, it's not there anymore. I have taken all the negative and uh, uh, worked through that and have been left uh, trans, trans uh, not only transcended it, took it and changed it, make it positive. But looking back and seeing that piece of my mother's life, then my mother makes sense to me. She was, uh, you could never shock my mother. You could never shock Bridie Ropers. No matter what you told her, she would never be shocked. Uh, she was always supportive. Um, she related excellent with men. But she ran a bar, her and my father ran a bar. Uh, she, so she heard it all. And uh, so from uh, having a mother that was kind of divorced from me as a child, but she gave me great gifts, and it was only later on in life that I realized what those gifts were, tolerance of other people, understanding other people. Uh, one of her favorite phrases is, don't forget your shit stinks like anybody else. So a sense of, uh, of humanity. Sounds like she was a straight shooter. Oh, there was no equivocation in my mother at all. And as I grew older, I began to appreciate that. We grew great. We, we ended up very good friends. At the end of her life, uh, in the early 80s, I used to go visit her. 
and she was in a home and she was dying of cancer. And I used to lift her out of her bed. And I even wiped her rear end and took her to the toilet. My older brothers and my, my sister with my older brothers would never do that. And uh, one night I tucked her into bed and I put the bedclothes up here and all of a sudden her hands came out of the sheets and she grabbed my cheeks and pulled me towards her and said, Michael, I love you. She had never said that to me in all my life. She had never, she had never said that. And she loved all of you. At that moment, she knew I was gay at that time. How did she find that out? Well, <clears throat> I'd gotten married to a woman, and uh, we'd lived together as man and wife for three months, and I had a breakdown. What you would call a, a nervous breakdown. I just collapsed. I mean, I, I went to live with a friend who dragged me out of bed <clears throat> every morning, threw me in the shower, and made sure I went to school. Don't ask me how in the hell I did that every day, but I did. Uh, and then I had to go, I had to go tell her. My father was dead at the time. How old were you, Mike, at the time? I was uh, 40, 41. So I, I went with a friend of mine, Patricia, who had lived with my mother when she, Patricia was studying at Yale. And uh, we were going to have lunch with my mother. And I was sitting at her dining table with Patricia, my mother was in the kitchen, and I started to sob. I mean, I really started to cry. And she came in and she said, Michael, what is the matter? And she put her right hand on sho my shoulder, and I know she had her hand on her hip with a dish towel. And I said, Mama, I'm gay. And she said, Michael, if that's who you are, then that's who you are. Now stop trying to be what you're not and eat your lunch. And that was, that was it. Sexuality and, and Catholicism, it's almost like they didn't go together. It wasn't talked about. I think today, as I grew my attitude towards sexuality, I have no conflict at all, absolutely nothing between my God and my sex. Absolutely nothing. I don't see any contradiction at all. In fact, I can't imagine one without the other. It's almost like I saw the church as a safe haven from my sexuality. And I had to, I had to leave her to go out and find it. Unknowing, mm -hmm. as I look back, she was always there. I used religion to avoid the risks of God in my life. I played it safe with God. I did what I thought God wanted me to do, which is to turn the switch of my human sexuality as if it isn't even there. I don't like the word church. I mean, if you ask them, where the hell did that word come from? I don't know, some Anglo-Saxon word. To me, it's the, uh, the ecclesia. It's the community. Well, what is this community? It's a, it's a community that is seeking. It's a community that's on a journey. In our most basic need for community, for the other, The incarnation in our sexuality are one. It is through my sexual body that I seek my God. And everything about sexuality transcends to the eternal. It's almost like it, it, it's within us to seek the eternal. It's in us to seek the ultimate lover. What seems very va base and very vulgar is extremely sacred.
To me, that's where the incarnation is. Mm. So why do we try to separate our sexuality from our God? That's heresy. The sin of my life is I tried to separate those two realities. You, you can't. They're not separate. They're integral. And in my life, when I tried to pull them apart and live separately, then I became a goddamn neurotic. It took me 25, 30 years on a psychiatrist's chair and couch to try to put the damn thing back together again, like Humpty Dumpty. God doesn't make junk. We, we are his creation. And we might not fit into some traditional box of human relationships or, or, or marriage, but our energies are real. Our reality is real. And it, it's just a matter of accepting us. You have to, uh, or tolerate us, you have to encourage us to be who we are. We are God's creation. And to deny that is to deny that he knows what the hell he's doing. Gay people have been offering their gifts to the church for centuries. We have nursed the sick. We have taught the ignorant. We have administered and healed people. I think it comes from the pain in our lives. We're very sensitive to human pain. We're very drawn to healing because we have found so much of it in our own lives. Uh, Andre Newland once said that only the, only the wounded heal. If you don't have wounds, you don't, you don't understand people's pain. You have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I've taught school for 54 years. And it's such an integral part of my life. It, it's, it's almost me. I can't imagine myself separate from it. That's why I've never retired. I don't even think of retirement. Yeah, my, my students know I'm Catholic, and they also know I'm gay. What do you tell students when they come out to you? I congratulate them. And I encourage them when they, well, when students come out to me, I congratulate them for their courage, for their candidness. Uh, and uh, just the sense of uh, recognizing the relief they have. And I encourage them to uh, communicate this to their family, that they'll need support and to seek a community, not necessarily the Catholic community, but to seek a community where they can feel at home. It's all a matter of going home. We all want to go home. I've spent my whole life trying to go, go back home. Do you think you've found a little bit of that boy that you talked about? Oh, oh, I love that kid. Uh, I, uh, I have a picture of him in the classroom. Uh, a copy of that picture. It's my, one of my favorite. It's, it's, I'm about three, I know I'm three years old. Uh, and uh, it's on the desk. And one kid said to me, you know, Robes, that kid teaches us. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. The spontaneous little boy, Michael Roper, teaches you. Yes, he does. If you could go back today and speak to that kid after having had the journey you've had, what would you say to that kid? I, I'd, I'd say, Mike, it was a great adventure, wasn't it? I'm sorry for screwing it up for you, but that's okay. 
we're together again. It's okay. And he'd say, fine, Robes. I've never left you. I never went. And I'm where you live. Yeah, I'm where you live. If I can come back and tell that little inner child, that little boy, I, uh, it's been a rough going. But you've always been with me. You are my strength. The memories of you, I know, would, would become realities again. It all goes back to the same thing. It all goes back to you, Chris. Remember me. That I loved you. And he loved me. And he never left me. Through all the pain and all the contradictions of my life, that little boy was always there. And he is where I live. He is my home. And he shall go with me. Uh, there's a poem, the last line, I can't remember the whole poem, but the last line of the poem is, when I die, you shall remain standing, and so he shall. <laughs>